0: I'm Ian Gregush and you are listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast.
1: morning afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm steve mcpherson and i'm here with Callum williams cal i just watched spider-man into the spider-verse for the second time now that it's on netflix and i want to know who was your favorite superhero growing up and do they have different ones in england or do you have the same ones
0: i think we have the same ones. is it yeah. like is it like bat chap <laughs> 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 no, but I wish that was the case. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Um, yeah, we don't have different ones. Okay, um, yeah, the same I'm ones Geneva, as us. Yeah, uh, and it would probably be Spider Man to be honest. I thought he was fairly handy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's one way to put it. Yeah, I, I would go with that. Let's go with that, shall we?
1: Yeah, I liked. Uh, I really liked Spider Man when I was growing up. I think I always responded to the um, the teenagerness of him. You know, he was sort of he was sort of a kid. Uh, and I liked that. And I always I always preferred the uh, sort of cursed by uh, greatness motif for a superhero than uh, Batman being sort of defined by tragedy or Superman as an alien. So, I, you know, I found Spider-Man to be relatable, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Have you seen Into the Spider-Verse?
0: No, I must admit I'm not a massive Marvel fan, to be honest. No, okay. I'll, I'll watch them if it's... Out and about and, and if it's just on the tv there's nothing else on but yeah not, not a massive marvel fan of them We're totally honest
1: i will recommend to you this movie okay. regardless of your feelings about okay. superheroes cool. um i saw this in the theaters with uh my daughter my seven-year-old and um i was sort of you know i was looking to go to a movie i was looking to bring her And I was like, this this could be fun. I've heard good things. Um, I wasn't really excited for a new Spider-Man movie. I sort of am not a huge uh, comic book guy to Mm -hmm. begin with. Um, The the visual appeal of this movie is amazing. Like, it's just, it's one of those films that as you're watching it, it's animated. Uh, You begin to forget it's animated, but also everything that's great about it is made possible by it being animated. The art style is just gorgeous. The way everything is is done with the art is incredible they do a lot of smart funny things with sort of tying it into comic books um and sort of a comic book style without it trying to sort of ape how a comic book is laid out so Mm -hmm. it's really just i mean it's i I mean i you know three quarters of the way to the movie i was like i am really into this (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i am just i am just super into it so it's on netflix now so it's it's free okay cost you nothing the missus might enjoy it as well i watched it with 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 um my wife Last night So, um, yeah Okay, what's it called again, sorry? Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse Okay It has a silly name Okay. Okay.
0: I, uh, well, I shall assume the movie is as equally as silly as the name, but and I shall give it a, yeah. a watch give, just because you've you've mentioned it. So I'll, I'll give it a go.
1: Give it a roll and come back, and we'll, we'll talk about it on a, a later episode. Okay, sounds good. All right. Uh, also, I should let everyone know this is a late afternoon recording, so it's going to get weird. This could go any sort of direction. If something be, happens, yeah. this happens. But this has happened before. <laughs> Let's start with. Uh, we got a lot of things to talk about today. Let's talk about uh, the game against FC Cincinnati. Remember that one?
0: Um, I'm being also blacked
1: out. I mean, <laughs> we were just saying that, you know, every week on the website, we do Cal on the Call where we have your calls for the goals. It was like a Godfather movie. To, I mean, it was like, it was so long. You had so many goals to call. Mm-hmm. Um, just for you personally, what happens when you're trying to call the sixth and seventh goals in a game and you've used all the words you have?
0: Oh, no, nothing changes. I mean, you start it's, screaming? It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I screamed when they are about as as wonderful as Hassani Dalton's goal mm. was. Um, mm. No, I... I, I no, what a goal. Nothing changes. I mean, it, it's just I, I um, commentate on what I see. And, um, you know, of, of course, that there would be those who would suggest the vocabulary is, is slightly stretched, but... Um, <laughs> no, I... I it's it, your job to stretch the vocabulary. Nothing changes, yeah. yeah. It's same. Um,
1: so, um... Adrian says, "I don't know if you've heard this before. he says goals change games." <laughs> um, <laughs> he um he basically says this every week, mm-hmm. sometimes twice a week, which it is a true statement by the way. it you is know, not but... <laughs> it is not incorrect. Uh-huh. It is on the Adrian Heath bingo chart of 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 of, of things that he says frequently. Mm-hmm. It is what it is is another one, but hey is another one. Um, He's a great, he is very good at his, at his job of uh, talking about the game, which is fantastic. He does say goals change games all the time. It's, it's not a, it's a true statement. It it was particularly true in that game. Um, That's the fact that Minnesota United came out and looked good in a high press, you know, getting sort of possession of the ball and doing some of what they wanted with it. And then I got that feeling a couple minutes in of that, what happens if they don't get something out of this and they get scored on? Mm-hmm. And then they started giving the ball away a little bit. It seemed like maybe they were a little too focused on what they were going to do with the ball and not thinking about the fact that they had the ball. And then they they gave up that shot that Vito barely tipped and hit the woodwork. If that goal had gone in, that could have just changed the entire arc of the game.
0: Yeah, you're, you're correct. I think if, if that goal goes in, I think Cincinnati completely and utterly bunker and make it very difficult to get through, and you know, I, I still think we go and win the game with, with all due respect, but yes, um, certainly not by the magnitude that we that we did. Um, I, I think props, sir, to, to Minone for making the save, um, but I, I think Minnesota then reacted very, very well, and they kind of thought to themselves, right, okay, well now we've got to we've got to start playing. We can't let them get through like that again. And and Dali was he, he's a big boy. He um he was able to to muscle the centre-half and get the shot away. And um, he was an obvious threat. And um, I thought Minnesota started the game a little lackadaisical and, and not completely switched on. And I don't know if that's because of the element of expectation um, thrust upon them. And... and um, you know, maybe they they would have put some um, expectation on themselves from an individual point of view as well, thinking, well, this shouldn't be too difficult. But Yeah,
1: it had, it had sort of that trap game look. You know, if, if you think back to Minnesota's first two seasons, some of those teams that they should have beat mm. just – lying down and yeah. they just didn't they didn't get up for the games and so no. and so you know any game where you're like oh you got to you got to believe you're going to be favored in this one um yeah it can be you, a little
0: tough you can never have that mentality going into a game in, in any professional sport college sport whatever you you can't you can't go in thinking that but i think um such was the the difference in superiority i, I would have I slightly understood at half time minnesota thinking that but um there was a great degree of, of professionalism in the opening 45 because they, they realized, right. Okay. We've got to be a little bit sharper. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the first goal went in from, from Gregorish and, and obviously into Opara, I thought to myself, right, this, this could potentially be a four or five, nil final scoreline. Um, and Cincinnati just systematically just pe- fell apart. Yeah. The- there was nothing to them. Um, I thought defensively they were all over the place, uh, even ahead of them. I-, I felt a little bit sorry for Yoa who-, who was left hanging several times in central midfield. Um, it-, it was, you know, that there was an element of sympathy, at least from-, from my perspective on Cincinnati. But but also, you know, when it got to seven, I, I thought to myself, go on, score more, you know. Yeah, go-, right. go and, you know, you, you don't owe these players anything you don't owe Cincinnati anything you know go, go and, and score as many goals as you can and yeah. um you know it, it was just a firm showing of what this team can do I still don't think it was the best performance the team has ever given I, right. I, I personally think I agree with Adrian I thought the game against Philadelphia they were much better mm-hmm. um but they just didn't take their opportunities in, in that one well they did twice but the other 27 chances they, they failed <laughs> to, right. to put away so um you know, I I thought the magnitude of some of the goals as well were were fabulous. Um, Hassani Dotson has has given that everything. You yeah. know, he's really really hit it. And um, poor old Spencer Ritchie in goal, you know, just couldn't do anything about it. And um, he's
1: too he's too blonde to be a goalkeeper. <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> um,
0: perhaps the the bright hair getting in the way. Yeah, maybe, just or the glare or green. something.
1: Yeah, I just I think of I tend to think of goalkeepers as the sort of the dark. Like the the dark hair, like mm. sort of glowering, you know. So the the blonde I mean, I'm sure there's been great blonde goalkeepers. Does Oliver Kahn count as blonde? Absolutely. Okay, guys, well there yeah. you go. All right. Absolutely. All right. You go.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um Yeah, uh so you know, I I, I thought that there's a couple points to be made about that sort of about scoring like that, uh, which I've, which I've seen made by a few people, which is that goal differential is one of those things. That's a tiebreaker, you yep. know? And so if you can score goals, go get them right now. I mean, this vaulted Minnesota United into third and in total go- goals scored. Um, so they hold a tiebreaker over most other teams mm-hmm. um, right now when it comes to a question of getting to the playoffs or not. So go score the, <laughs> go score those goals. And, those change games. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I, one thing that I thought was interesting is that you you know you think up 4-0 at the break, you know you 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 drop one, you get one back again. You know you bring in some subs, right? Um, brought in brought in uh, uh, Kevin Molino and Mason toy for Angelo and Darwin. Um, and then they go, <laughs> they go and get, get a couple goals off. Lawrence Olam came in and was key in getting a goal. I mean, he, he knocked it back out to young Gregoosh on the left wing and he sent it back in, um, you know, good timely subs. And then it wasn't just like, well, let's get some guy, let's get these guys some run. It was like a whole new game with new guys who wanted to score goals. Um, <laughs> how much of it do you think, was like you said i think that wasn't the best minnesota united performance how much of it was minnesota united how much of it was minnesota united playing well and how much of it was fc cincinnati just playing like a wet clean x basically
0: i think it was 60 40 um i think minnesota gave a good account of themselves but I, i just don't think cincinnati had much to offer um but there, there were some goals that, that I thought were really, really good. As I mentioned, the Hassani Dalton goal I thought was fabulous. Yes, yep. Um, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And the, the final goal, the, the goal for number seven as well, had me drooling because it was, it was the type of football that Adrian Heath has wanted to play for so long. And, you know, when it broke away and... You know, if if Toy would have touched it originally, he would have been offside, and he shows such great maturity to leave it for Finlay, who then squares it into Toy, who then I I was convinced was going to unleash an effort again because he was full of confidence after just scoring his first ever goal in MLS in Minnesota's sixth. I thought to myself, he's a striker full of confidence. He's going to hit this. But instead, he squares it across to Molino, who who makes it seven. And, and, you know, it was beautifully crafted football. And, um, you know, as I said, for me, it it really showed an element of maturity about this side, and um, I, I quite frankly I think it could have been you know nine or ten to be honest, but um, it it was a, a, a <laughs> it was a good performance in front of goal, mm-hmm. no doubt, and that is now 14 goals in three games, and I think whatever hoodoo was uh, surrounding Minnesota's front line previously. Has now well and truly been pushed aside.
1: Yeah, yeah. At least, at least for the time being. I mean, I th- and I think that's the uh, you know Adrian has said it before. It's you know goals come in bunches. They also change games. Um, and, you know, for for a, an, an attacker like he was, you know, it's like it's all about that confidence. And once you get that confidence rolling, you can see like, you know, we saw Darwin's July last year. We're getting into J- July again. Maybe that's his season uh, is, is July mm-hmm. uh, in Minnesota. So um, let's talk about uh, Hassani Dotson. A hot, Hassani Dotson appreciation moment here. Mm-hmm. First of all, two goals so far in his MLS career. Two bangers. He uh, was at training the other day, and, you know, all the guys who had, who had played because there's this quick turnaround, they had a short training session that got off the field, um, so the other guys were finishing up their training and they were they were leaving. We had done. We had talked to Chase after the, the the training was done. We were walking back to our cars, and Hassani came out because he was coming out of the locker room like in like a velour tracksuit, <laughs> hmm. like this. Just and Vito was sort of giving him a little stick about like, "Well, you dress like the Russian mafia now. You scored you score two bangers and that's it," you know. So, uh, which is pretty fun. And Hassani was taking it, and uh, he, he, they were joking around, which was great. But man he is really filled in pretty admirably for uh Metonier there on the, on the right, uh in the right back position. But uh, the, you know, the club keeps saying this is not, you know, he's filling in, he can play all over the field, but they see him as sort of, you know, eventually uh, a holding mid, a center midfielder. Hold up. And how do you see, how do you see him evolving his game from where he is right now to the point where he can be, um, you know, sort of Ozzy's replacement in the long term possibly in that position
0: well first of all he's adding another string to his bow um in terms of being able to play at at fullback whether it's right or left back so he's already proven that he's um got an element of versatility about him which coaching staff crave um i i think no doubt naturally he is a central midfielder i saw a lot of tape on him um, at Oregon State when we drafted him and thought I'd better go and check out what sort of a player he is and um, he was very effective in the central midfield and long term that is where he will be. Um, what I will say about Hassani Dotson Steve, is I think he's actually mature beyond his years mm-hmm. and I remember the draft when, when Minnesota selected him as 31st overall in the draft this year. The MLS pundits and analysts were sort of almost scoffing saying, well, you know, he'll just be another sort of, play on the roster and, and I, ca- I kind of was,
1: too. I was like, maybe I'll never even meet him. You know? Right, so. and,
0: and there was that thought, wasn't there, that maybe he will just be shunned aside and... be in preseason. And he'll and, go down yeah, to Madison right. at the very best. Sure. And yeah. I say that with all due respect, but... Um, I, I think um, he had a really good preseason. His energy levels are really good. His reading of the game is fantastic. And I, I know Adrian Heath... Um, has has been working on him uh, and working with him on certain elements of his game, uh, which you would expect. But, you know, um, he, he's... he's I, th- I think the coaching staff were surprised at, at how quickly he was able to develop into a fullback. Um, and he's played there a couple of times at collegiate level, but we all know that's a completely different kettle of fish. Sure. Um, and I think Mark Watson, I remember chatting to about him, obviously more often than not, Watto, as he's known, will coach the back line during the week and, and talk about um, defensive responsibilities and whatnot. Um, having played there for the majority of his career um, but I think um, the, the energy that Hassani possesses allows him to almost play this modern day full back role where if you, you have a couple of other um, draftees who would be put in that situation I don't think they could I think they, they require a little more coaching and mm-hmm. um, For example, uh, you know, Chase Gasper on on his MLS debut, who who I thought was was flawless Mm -hmm. uh, on his first MLS start, rather. He, um, at one stage, I remember during commentary saying that um, he dropped back when Alonso received the ball. And Ozzy was saying, go forward, go forward, go forward. And Chase was just trying to simply offer Alonso another option and and to go back and to go short if he needed support. But Ozzy was saying, no, you've got to go forward here. And it just takes sometimes that little bit of coaching whether it's on or off the field to to really develop and and start to understand the system and i think asani dotson's understanding of this system as well has really stood him in good stead. Mm-hmm. um his footballing iq is is a lot higher than i think a lot of people originally thought. yeah and um it, it it goes without saying now the fact that you know for me he's he's one of the first first players on the team sheets um whether it's you know starting on, on the 18 because of his versatility and, um, you know, obviously when Romar Meta now comes back, uh, he will be the obvious first choice at right back. I know the club have um, made some headway in, in acquiring a left back um, and I think the club are hoping they can get something done over the course of the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But, yep. that's great because you you bring in first team players who are ready to go and, and, when you do that you don't necessarily put on the pressure on a rookie that you don't necessarily need to sure I think Hassani will, will we will see Hassani Dotson in, in a, uh, a couple of different positions again throughout the entirety of the season but it will be when he's needed much like we've seen over the last couple of games but the one thing Adrian Heath has now really got to think about is is how do you drop a player like Hassani when he's in the form that he's in
1: yeah yeah, I mean, and, and Adrian has said that's, you know, there are worse problems to have than trying to figure out. You know, if you add in Mason Toy looking a little more composed out there, Kevin Molino looking like he's coming back to something like, you know, his regular form, that's
0: a great problem to have. you Ethan know. Finlay as well, by the way.
1: Yes, also, um, everybody's, a lot of people are hitting on sort of where we were hoping they would get to. Speaking of which, flying a little under the radar compared to some of the other players, uh, Jan Gregoosh with three assists, mm-hmm. the gentleman's hat trick, uh, got on the team of the week for that. Um, And I feel like that's a huge positive sign for him as a player who's, he hasn't been, he's been by no means bad this season, but he has maybe not quite been the level that, you know, overall that we were expecting in terms of changing the game. But a sign like that, like he's not, you know, he's not scoring goals, which is not really his role, but he's, he's contributing to those assists. He's controlling it in midfield. I think that that, that kind of confidence and comfortability seems like it's really, it's really starting to come to him
0: now. Yes, but the question I have for you, Steve, is what? What were we expecting from Young Gregory? I wanted more bangers. Is, well, this I, is what I'm saying. Is, <laughs> is there, is there an uh, a, a, um, expectation in capital letters forced his way simply because of the DP tag? I, I think that there is. I think. I mean, I think that
1: that's a natural thing that happens in MLS when you have a player who's a DP. You're like, well you should show up in, in the score sheet. And I think that most of us who who follow the game closely know that's not always the case. And I think Greg has often made contributions that have not shown up on the score sheet. Part of that is because the the players haven't been scoring. We know that the, the team went through a scoring drop prior to these, these last three games of scoring 14 goals. Um, you can't get an assist if the guy doesn't finish the shot. Right. Mm. So um, I think it's just nice to see him getting, you know, uh, again, we're going back to the Adrian's typical you know, workhorses for phrases, but a little reward for his work, you know, which I think his work has always been there. Um, But I do still want, I should make it clear. When I play video game soccer, if I get the ball at the halfway line, I'm like Wayne Rooney out there just firing <laughs> shots on goal. Like, I don't care. I want to score 40-yard shots. So, mm-hmm. you know, and we knew, we've seen Jan in practice, like, rip off those those goals. So, and he's he scored, you know, I think at least one, his, his one against the Galaxy was kind of bad. So, so we've seen it, you know, and so that'd be... I, just personally, I like that. I always like dunks. I like long goals. <laughs> that's who I am. Um, but I just think that seeing, you know, three assists out of him in, in a game, you sort of get the sense of, oh, yeah, he is really influencing the game.
0: Yeah, I think he he, he obviously did against Cincinnati, no doubt. And uh, he was given an awful lot of space in the central midfield because Cincinnati were hopeless in the yeah, center. Um, true. You know, I, I as I said, I felt sorry for poor old Victor Uyoa who was just left out to dry. On many an occasion, I thought Eric Alexander was was woeful, um, and, and it's such a shame because I remember seeing Alexander play for the Red Bulls not too long ago, and he was wonderful. Um, caught the attention of the national team, went to the January camp with um, with Klinsmann in the US, and um, it, it's amazing how players fall off so quickly. Um, yeah. There's some players FC
1: Cincinnati has, some, I like Ledesma, like, you know, that goal was not, you know, a worldly by any means that he got, but it was the first MLS goal. Yep. Um, there's elements of his game as a winger that I think are really good. Um, you know, they've got, they're missing, they were missing a bunch of players. They're missing, they're missing lost they're missing Cruz. You know, there's like, there's plenty they got, they have issues, um, yes. but there were some bright points for them. I think on the on the season as a whole, not in this game particularly. I think they probably would rather just not ever think about that game again.
0: Well, so. I, I I agree. Yeah, I think that's one to swiftly push aside and never think about it ever again. I wouldn't even look at the tape if I was Joanne uh, de May, um, because it was nothing positive that came from it. But um, you know, I, I think you you have to cut them a little bit of slack, as you say. There were as, as many as eight players missing, and yeah. usually around about seven of those players start in that eleven. Um, I thought Caleb Stanker, who was traditionally a central midfielder, for the first time ever played at right back, and he was hopeless again. Right. Um, you know, and, and I just, um, I, as I said, I did have a little element of sympathy for them because we, we've been there. Minnesota United yeah, didn't know absolutely. what it's like to, to be on the receiving ends of, of heavy defeats. And, yeah. you know, I know Adrian had, had said to um, to Alan Koch when, when he first came into the league with Cincinnati, um, you know, get get expected. Um, uh, sorry, uh, get used to to losing rather. Um, expect to to concede a lot of goals mm-hmm. um, because you you've come from USL where you've won a lot and you've played a certain type of football, and now you're coming to MLS where the quality is much greater, and you necessarily um, you can't necessarily play the football that you want to, and you have to be a little more rough and tumble, and you have to be supremely disciplined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think when you haven't got your um, original Roster of players that you you would use to usually execute that uh, that plan, it, it becomes even more difficult. And um, you know, my um, my thoughts go out to to de Demay. I, I you know, it's not his fault at all. He, he's yeah. just playing with what he what he can. And and what I will say about Minnesota is that look, I mean, you can only play the team that's in front of you. Yeah. So um, look, whilst I don't think it was um, an afternoon that uh, was, you know. Um, a performance that uh, really shows how good Minnesota United are. I think it was an afternoon in terms of scoreline that many will remember for a long time and and, and as they should do. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I commented during the game. There was definitely a, a whiff of 2017 Minnesota United about FC Cincinnati in that game and, and sort of some of those experiences specifically of when, you know, it, Minnesota United had some moments, I think, in, in, in its first season when everybody was healthy and everybody was there and it was the right situation where they had absolutely great games, right? What you saw is as soon as that those first selections weren't there. It just fell off a cliff, Mm -hmm. you know, as soon as you couldn't put out your first selections. And that's one of the things we talked about earlier. Now with the team and the depth, you're starting to see, you can bring in guys like Hassani, guys like toy guys, like, you know, Kevin Molino coming back to full health, you know, like that, it gives you depth and it gives you options. And FC Cincinnati clearly isn't there yet. Let's uh, let's move on past that. Let's talk a little bit about a game that just happened. Um, us women's national team, Mm -hmm. um, defeating, um, its former rulers, (laughs) uh england your team mm. how you're rubbing your brow right now how do you how did you feel about that
0: uh, look I'm, I'm uh i'm incredibly proud of the lionesses um i don't think anybody thought we would get to the semi-finals um i f- f- for me it was um a really competitive game yes which it could was. have gone either way yeah and i was really proud of, of them for, for the efforts that they gave and and, and it the result was was decided within inches because of the, the offside call, um, the penalty that was obviously saved, um, and Alex Morgan eventually scoring the, the game winner. So, I mean, I, I've got nothing but, but good things to say about the the England national team. Um, I I thought, what I will say is I thought the officials were great because I think they got every decision right. I thought it was a penalty. Yeah, um, agreed. Because agreeing. I, I think, and I know people... Maybe we'll have different views on this, but you know, I, I thought when when you're following through, when you're going to execute a kick, when you're going to execute finish, and a foot has come in and it's stopped your efforts from from doing that, and it's gotten in the way from from you um, making contact with the ball. For me, that's a foul outside the box. So mm-hmm. if it's a foul and it's inside the box, it's a penalty. Yeah. So for me, it was a penalty. Um, but as we have learned over the past 30 years england are hopeless at penalties so uh, it didn't matter anyway because it you wasn't say, a great penalty by Alistair,
1: was, yeah yeah but I mean, I mean it
0: wasn't a great penalty um, it was not a
1: great penalty um, but it, it you know i think that I know there are question marks about the goalkeeping position for the U.S. Uh, in, in some ways, you know, versus looking at, like, the history of Hope Solo and having mm. a goalkeeper like that who's in your past. So, you know, you you got to sort of like you got to play the team in front of you. It's like you got to save the penalty that was
0: taken. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then what I will say as well is, um, again, it came within inches, but the, the offside call was the right call, yeah. um, you know, for, for Ellen White. Um, But look, I mean, as I said, I I have um, nothing but pride for the Lionesses um, and I look forward to seeing them in the the European Championships in a couple of years. I think they've got a really good opportunity. Um, But uh, look, we just competed with the best team in the world. And in my opinion, the US will now go on and win the World Cup. Yeah.
1: Very good. I mean, I thought that the, the game was as as enjoyable as watching something like that, you know, that opening game against Thailand is in some ways, I mean, to be on the edge of your seat, sort of watching this and like looking at penalties and going, that's not a penalty. And then going, Oh man, your knee kind of comes in and then you're mm-hmm. thinking about it. And then you're trying to, you get up for that save, you know, for that penalty being taken, that stuff's fun. And I thought, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better you know, sort of result from a game with that, those kind of stakes than a two, one win, you yeah. know, I mean, that's, that's sort of as tight as it gets and, you know, and nobody wants a one zero win. So.
0: Well, it's, it, it's a thrill that only, um, big tournament football can provide in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, uh, as I say, it, it was a great game. I really enjoyed it despite the outcome. Um, and, and look, as I said, now for me, I think the U S have always been favorites and, and quite rightly so as well. Why wouldn't they be? They are the current champions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think they are so deep. And even when the news broke that Rapino wasn't playing, I thought to myself, oh, right, OK, well, that's interesting. And then the lineup came out, and I thought, well, <laughs> it doesn't matter anyway, because the yeah, front <laughs> three are about as formidable uh, as ever anyway. So. Um, you know, and again, I think, uh, I think I might have said this on the last podcast that the one player, again, who has just received nowhere near the amount of praise that she, she deserves is, is Julie Ertz um, throughout mm-hmm. the tournament. I think she's been wonderful. Um, and, and as I said, look, I think the US have, have got everything they need and more to go on and win the final. And we're obviously, um, as you mentioned, we are recording this on the Tuesday. Uh, On the Wednesday, the other semi-final between Sweden and Holland uh, will commence and it'll be really intriguing to see what happens there. But I I seriously don't, think the usa are too fussed as to who they play because i think they'll fancy their chances regardless yeah
1: yeah it's it, you know with as, as far as the the coaching people talk about um ellis and questioning like her decisions and things like that and obviously there's a question at first of whether pulling Rapino was a tactical decision or if it turned out that she was injured there was a hamstring issue issue or whatever like that to bring in christian press you know, who any team would be glad to have. It's not too bad. Um, So it's it's interesting to me with Ellis because I think we spend a lot of time judging coaches based on results and things like that. It can be a little tough with her because the team is just so good that some of those decisions, it's like, you know, was her to what, you know, like imagine it's a tactical decision, right? And then Kristen press scores that first goal. It's like, oh, brilliant. It's like, yeah, but the whole team is just really good. <laughs> you know, um, not to say that it's an easy job. It's a very difficult job to coach really talented teams. I think as any, Any coach, you know, you talk about Phil Jackson, those guys in the NBA who have coached, you know, many all-stars. It's not easy to manage egos, manage Mm. minutes, manage all of that, and they have all of that to deal with. So, yes, uh, entertaining game. uh, I hope they go on and and whip Holland uh, really badly. Uh, We have an intern, Billy, here, whose uh, family is from the Netherlands, and uh, I want him to be sad. So, Mm -hmm. Um, just cause that's what, you know, he's 21 and he's a good looking guy and he's got his whole life in front of him. And you know, uh, he deserves I, some sadness. He deserves a little sadness. So <laughs> anyways, um, let's talk a little bit. We got two games coming up this week. We got San Jose and Montreal in one week. Man, it just doesn't stop. This, uh, I, <laughs> this, yeah, I, I just
0: don't know where to even look right now. Speaking it's, of
1: carnage, uh, this
0: is absolute carnage. It is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but I, I do love it though. I, I must admit, I do love being this sort of busy. Not on a regular basis, but you know, from time to time, when we have these, these weeks where it's three games in seven days. Yeah. Um, I, I do quite enjoy it. The only thing is, is that you know we we have an away game uh, in Montreal, as you mentioned, um, which is a, a firm part of this. And the travel and everything, it does make it all a little more little more difficult. But um, so you know, no, I I'm excited, Steve. I, I always enjoy going to Montreal because um, it reminds me very much of, of a European city. Uh, yeah, and, and, and Montreal's a great place. Yeah, and, and, you know, it doesn't feel like you're there for MLS at all because everyone's speaking French, and, and yeah. it's um, feels like you're there for a Champions League game, actually, if anything. And um, they always have a good atmosphere. Um, soccer's very popular there as well, so sure. I always enjoy going there. But anyway, let's talk about San Jose first. Let's
1: talk about San Jose first. Um, do you think the Quakes are for real? Define for real. After starting very poorly and then now playing quite well, do you foresee them? Do you feel like they're the average of those two things? Or do you feel like there is an upward trend where they're going to get, like, are they going to be, are they going to have a a home field advantage in the playoffs? Or are they going to like settle back into like the, the the bottom couple of seeds?
0: I think they are a product of a system that has taken a little bit longer to figure out than they would have originally hoped. Mm -hmm. And, You have to credit Almeida for sticking to his guns and
1: and continuing to... Huge. That you, you know, because, sorry to interrupt you, but like this is one of the things is that I I think I remember saying this early in the season that when you have a system, when you have a year of coach who's like, this is how I want it to be. If you start with that system and you implement it and then it's not working, everyone's going to say, scrap it, just play, Mm. you know, bunker and counter just play stupid, I'm going to say stupid, just play stupid football, right? Like it's sort of what you look at FC Cincinnati is sort of, you thought like that's what they were going to do. They're going to play, they're going to play four or five in the back. You know, they're going to play a bunch of midfielders. They'll just, Mm -hmm. they'll just bunker. Um, That's not what San Jose did. They were like, this is, Almeida was like, this is the system. This is what we're doing. We're sticking to it. If you don't stick to your system, then what are you as a coach? Like, what are you as you're like, this is my belief and this is how this yep. is supposed to go. And so I admire that. And he stuck to it and the, the players have caught on to it. You know, some of the players have been moved around the field a little bit, you yep. know, like they, they found the, the, the right positions and they've, they've learned some new skills. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's it's fun to watch um, is one of the things about the man marking system because it's just, mm. it's a lot different than what you're used to. So,
0: yeah. And I think for Minnesota, possession is going to be really key here uh, and, and ball retention full stop, basically, because once you, once they have the ball, um, it, it can very easily uh, cause you an issue in terms of that they can pull you out of shape very, very easily. So I think ball retention is, is really, really key, more so than than regularly for Minnesota United on, on Wednesday evening. Um, I, I also think, Steve, that it, it's just taken a couple of individuals' time to just adjust as well. For example, Judson, the, the central midfielder, the Brazilian, mm-hmm. um, I thought he had a... a a torrid time marking Darwin Quintero in, in the f- the first game these two played at um, Avaya Stadium in week two where Minnesota won 3-0. Um, now, after watching a little bit of tape, he, he seems much more comfortable in his role. He he, he knows where to be at what time. Um, and also, you know, they, they've they tried uh, Ericsson in a couple of different roles as well, but he seems so much more comfortable in a, a 10 role as opposed to a wide role. Um, yep. Yep. whether it's on the right where he, where he cuts inside or on the left where he where he tends to would go to the byline and play across. The wide role didn't seem to properly work for him, at least on a regular basis or regularly enough anyway. He seems so much more comfortable as a 10. Um, and then it's, you know, uh, the two wide players either side of him. I mean, I mean look, for, for me, Vacco, Cassius Kassiusvele has been great over the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah, especially last um, week. I mean, he had a exactly. game. <laughs> exactly. So I, I just think it's just taken people, uh, individual players a little longer to understand the system that Almeida wanted to implement. Um, and, and now we're seeing the rewards of them sticking to their guns. And, um, you know, I, I think Almeida as well, um, I, I'm intrigued to see what this team is going to look like in, in around about either a month's time or two months' time, because the window obviously opens on, sure. um, on the 7th, uh, to my knowledge. And I, I think he'll try and bring in a couple of more players, a couple of players that he... Wants and knows, he's already brought in the Mexican winger Figuero, who, who he had at Chivas Guadalajara, mm-hmm. um, and and I just think it's going to take a, again just a little more time for, for players just to to adapt and, and for players to, I guess, understand what they what they need to do to um, to be successful in the in this formation and this system, um, but again, you know, as we said so many times during the first two years of this podcast. If you have the players to play a certain way, then it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, and I think Almeida has taken a lot of, a lot of his own time to to coach players individually into how he wants them to play. Um, and I know uh, Kindredison Open was was telling me before she knows the um, Tommy Thompson, the midfielder. Uh, there's a family connection there somewhere, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he and uh, a handful of other um, American. San Jose players took it upon themselves to start learning Spanish so they could connect with Almeida a little better. And again, it's all little things like this that that really help any sort of coach, any sort of team. So, um, I, I heard Adrian say and identify this as the biggest game in club history. Um, and I kind of had a little think about it and originally my thought was, well, that's slightly far-fetched, but, um, now that you think about it, because Minnesota United have now identified themselves as somewhat playoff competitors, and, and uh, I think it's safe to say Minnesota are exactly where a lot of people thought they would be, this will be the first real time at Allianz Fields at, at this stage of the season where we play a team that is in and around us. Yeah. At Allianz Field, a place where you would expect to win... And I, I think if Minnesota do win, it puts them in a category where people automatically expect Minnesota to be a top 5-6 Western Conference team. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they lose, again, I think question marks start to appear and people say, right, well, Minnesota haven't yet figured out how to really play at Allianz Field. They're still a little bit uncomfortable. Are they as good as people thought? There are some obvious frailties still there, so I think psychologically, I I agree with Adrian big time.
1: Yeah, I think um, I mean I'm looking at the standings, and I think that you know the the thing is is that San Jose is is a team. I I think the knife fight for Minnesota is with FC Dallas and San Jose. Really, this is you know I think the upper tier is you've got your LAs and Seattle. Um, Seattle is obviously a, a little rocky right now working with, through some issues with f- forwards and things like that. Yes. Um, but you know, I presume the sounders are going to be there. Uh, the Timbers could vault themselves all the way up into that conversation. Uh, by the end of the season, Houston, who is just below Minnesota right now, I, I tend to think that Um, they had a great start to their season and they've stumbled, but that's also mostly because they played a bunch of home games and they played a bunch of road games and they basically Mm -hmm. win their home games and lose their road games. So, um, so I think that the fight is really in that the four, five, six right now is true. Minnesota sitting on 24 points, a win would vault them over FC Dallas. I mean, this is contingent upon those the games those teams are playing, right? Well I was gonna it say it be very different by the end of the week, but I'm saying that uh, yeah you, you get into that upper you're getting into that it's there was between being sixth and being fourth, you know, by the end of the day.
0: I mean it, it's the West is beyond wild this yeah. year, Steve. Yes. Fourth place FC Dallas are on twenty six. Twelfth place Kansas City are on nineteen. Yeah. It, it's it's Every game counts. It's not. Yeah, it, there's not, <laughs> there's not a lot of
1: breathing room in there. So. And we're in
0: July. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be. It's 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 gonna be wild. It's fun to be involved in it. Let's let's talk real briefly about Montreal. Obviously, situations are gonna change a lot um, based on. There's a lot of teams playing double game weeks. So after mm. Wednesday, a lot of things will be different. Montreal, though, um, I've always liked. Um Montreal. I liked uh, uh Piazzi is is, yep. is terrific. I think Tight maybe underrated. Tight air's awesome. Um and he's and he's very good. I like their defense. I like this approach. I like the approach of uh, especially on the road, they just bunker <laughs> and then hit on the counter. I like counters. Um I don't know if anybody else knows that. But uh, huh. quietly, in my mind, given the, how much we talk about DC and Philly and Atlanta, quietly Montreal are third in the East right now. They, um, uh. Although they have a negative seven goal differential, which is a little unusual. Uh, but they've taken 30 points out of 20 games. So that's one and a half points per game. It's fairly comparable to Minnesota's 1.41 points per game. They've played three more games. Um, what's your assessment of of Montreal? In in some ways, I mean, in some ways on the road, it's it's interesting to watch them because on the road, they just don't even try to score. Um, at home, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. What's your assessment of going into to
0: play them? at Stad, Stad Saputo, is that yes? Yeah, him? Stad Saputo, yeah. Thank you. Um, very good with the pronunciation. Thank you. Um, Merci. <laughs> Montreal are a good team. Um, When you look at their roster from an individual point of view, you think, yeah, you know, they, they are a good team. Um, I'm surprised they are as high as where they are. Uh, what I will say before I, I sort of go into the roster is I, I'm very happy for Remy Galt as well because... Yes, we talked
1: about it last season.
0: Yeah, at one I stage, I really thought he was in trouble. Yeah, um, yep. And, 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 I, and I thought he got a really, really um rough time at aston villa um when he was uh, he was let go um i guess unceremoniously um when they were inevitably going to get relegated from the premier league several years ago and uh, he came in with a sort of um a gleaming uh, reputation as as the next big young european manager and and um since struggle to find a job afterwards. And I was surprised at that. And I was, I was really surprised when he came to Montreal, but n- nevertheless, it, I think he's a good manager. And, um, I think he's, he's quietly assembled a good roster. Um, Diallo and, and Camacho at the back are big, brutal presences. And, uh, yeah. Cabrera is a player that Minnesota fans might remember the last time Minnesota played at Stardust. he started an almighty scrap, uh, with mm-hmm. a couple of Minnesota players yep. that ended up being a sort of, what a, a semi brawl, if you will. Um, but they, they've got plenty of experience as well. I mean, Bakary Sanya, um, obviously, uh, um, Manchester City and Arsenal on, on his resume um, has, has a wealth of experience. Um, Novio up top is a good centre-forward as well. Um, and uh, is as we mentioned earlier on, I think Tidere is vastly underrated. I think everything goes through Safiyo Um He's so high in energy um, and he's, he's a proper number eight and box to box, you know, and mm-hmm. um I, I don't I don't think he scores enough goals but that's another debate for another day. Um and, and, and um some of the other squad players that they have alongside him have, have fitted in quite well. But also what I like about the Montreal team is that they use a lot of younger players as well. Um Matheus is um a player who I think a lot of people are starting to see um you know finally coming of age. He's he's still only twenty one I believe, but I mean uh, for a while him and, and David Schwaniel were were meant to be the next big things and, and David didn't quite work out he's not playing in USL I believe but but uh seems like he he could be a really good option for them moving forwards. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Anthony Jackson Hamill is is full of pace and energy. Yep. again, probably doesn't score enough goals for for my liking, but he's he's obviously going to be a pest. Um and um you know, look, I, I just, I'm a, I'm a fan of Evan Bush as well. I think he's a good serviceable goalkeeper. And Okwankwo um, up front for them, um, I don't know if you saw it, scored an absolute worldly yep. of a goal yep. um, last one. week. And, and if you haven't seen it, I suggest you go on MLSsoccer.com and, and look at the, the goal. It was absolutely unbelievable. Um, sort of on the on the half turn with his back to goal, he unleashes a monstrous volley into the top corner. I uh, don't care that it may have taken the... the Teeniest, tiniest of deflections. It was wonderful. Um, I think at home, they're, they're obviously a lot more stronger, uh, obviously a lot stronger than, than when they're on the roads. Um, I am intrigued to see how Minnesota approached that game with, with the amount of of games that Minnesota have in that space of time. Obviously, it's an, an out-of-conference opponent. Wouldn't right. surprise me if maybe Brent Kalman comes back into the fray. Sure. If Molino maybe comes and starts in the 11, um you know, is, uh, is is there room there for Mason Toy to start? Maybe I I don't know. There's there's a, a couple of options I think moving forward for Minnesota, but. Um it's. Uh, I would expect a couple of changes, regardless of the results, simply because, as I said, they're an out-of-conference opponent, and there's this, <laughs> there's a wealth of games coming our way. Isn't yeah. Me, you know, and and we've just got to be very careful.
1: Yeah, and with the U.S. Open Cup coming up, you Correct. know, again at a time when I think when you first get when teams first get in the U.S. Open Cup, it's like, well, let's see what happens. Mm. Now we're getting to the stage where it's like you're gonna have to play your your first team. You want to you're gonna you want to select your best team out there. So, um, again, like as you said, against a conference opponent, a non-conference opponent, mm. maybe it's the time and some of those. Guys guys have shown you know they've they've earned some of that i mean brent yep. has been great the fact yep. that he hasn't gotten in the starting 11 i'm sure that you know that adrian would love to find space for him to get out there and get a game
0: so well, it's, it's a good problem to have and yeah. yeah look the last game against cincinnati was his uh, first time he wasn't involved in in uh, 10 so i mean it, it started 10 consecutive games yep. and you know i think a lot of people were quite surprised um i, I felt Slightly sorry for Brent Carmen. I don't think he deserves to be dropped. But look, I mean, I think Michael Boxall's tremendous when he's in form as well, mm-hmm. alongside uh, Opara. It really, really works. But again, as Adrian has said, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, thanks for joining us for the 63rd Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Wednesday, July 3rd at Allianz Field as the Loons tussle with the Quakes and the team's Salute to Freedom, presented by XL Energy. That game kicks off at 7 p.m. Central Time. You can catch that game on Fox Sports North Plus or on MNUFC Radio on Score North. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. Follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. You can follow Cal at CalWilliamsCom and me at Entrus. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.